We are gathered here in your name, Jesus. Thank you that you are here, that you are present with us. And Lord, no doubt there's, as we come to a gathering today, that we're coming in with different situations in life, some good, some hard. And I thank you that you are faithful to be with us. And God, we just give you the rest this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Count Zinzendorf was a man in the 1700s who lived in Germany. And he was a man of wealth and influence, and he um, had he had bought an estate um, in Germany. And one day he met a man named Christian David, who was a refugee. And he discovered that there was uh, in neighboring countries there was there was many many refugees that needed a place. And so he was a follower of Jesus, and this was his first really big yes to Jesus. And so by his estate, there was a hill, and then just past the hill, there was a forest. And him and Christian David decided that that would be the place where they would build a community and refugees could come. So he did that. Now fast forward some time, and many, many refugees had come to this community. And... They were coming from different backgrounds, and many of them were fleeing persecution. And there was division, and there was difference of opinion on theology, on how to practice certain things in the faith, on leadership. Uh, it was not going well. So Zinzendorf made the second big yes of his life and decided to move away from his estate into the community itself leaving a life of wealth and influence to go door to door and plead with this community to love one another and to have unity, and he, and he taught them in the faith. And things began to shift. God began to move. And I, I believe it was 1727 in the summer, they had a communion service together. And it was a powerful, powerful moment of of coming together by the blood and body of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was poured, God poured out his Holy Spirit on that gathering. And it was, a, it, was, and it was an intense evening of encountering God. There was reports afterwards that some people said, we didn't know if we were in heaven or if we were on earth. We couldn't tell. And this became a transformative moment for this community um, it, it, tra- it changed people from the old to the young. There was kids seen in the fields on their knees in prayer. There was such a passion and a zeal for the Lord and his work, and this was a big part of it. The people were compelled, and they began to start a 24-hour uh, prayer uh, What's the right word? A 24-hour prayer rotation. So every hour of the day, there'd be two or three people that would pray. 
in their community, and this would go for 24 hours, and this ended up going for 100 years. There was a fire and a passion. Now remember, this is in the 1700s in Germany. This isn't in 2023. Three in the morning comes, and that person's getting woken up, and they're heading to the prayer closet to pray. The Mor- they became known as the, this was the Moravians, and they eventually became the, a, a massive missions movement. It was the first big Protestant missions movement in the history. And they sent people all over the world. John Wesley, if you've heard of John Wesley, was greatly, greatly impacted by this community, which was started by Count Zinsendorf. And do you know what these people were known as? Anyone know, has anyone heard this story before? Any hands? Have you heard this story? There's a couple people. These people were known as God's happy people. God's happy people. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Joy. Joy is meant to be a real experience of our faith. And when Pastor Josh had uh, asked me about speaking this Sunday on joy, I was actually quite intimidated by that idea. Um, I don't know. I mean, it feels like it's not uncommon to see believers not having joy. I've had seasons in my life where my faith felt joyless. Certain season I was much closer to depression than joyfulness, I would say. And yet, for the spirit-filled believer, joy is expected. I did a search on the word joy in the, in the ESV, and it's used 203 times throughout the scriptures. It's a major theme. What I noticed was that joy and gladness were side by side so many times. There was a call to rejoice, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Shouts of joy, singing for joy. Ken can come up next week and sing again. It'll be great. <laughs> Exceeding joy. Peter talks about inexpressible joy. Jubilant with joy. These are some of the things, phrases we find in the scriptures. Joy is not meant to be some mental abstract. It is an emotion. It is a feeling. It is something that is experienced. Gladness is something that we as believers are meant to have. And we've all, we've, all experienced, we've all experienced feelings of happiness or joy in our life. I, I, I think back to some of my, the sports memories I have of either coaching or playing, and we win the championship, and it's just like, is there greater joy in the world than when you win the championship? Like, I, I, maybe you've experienced that in your life. Um, I remember when my oldest, Shea, was born, and it's the first morning, and I'm walking to the hospital, and I'm holding his baby girl, and there's just, I'm just over, like, just joy, just overwhelmed, right? It's, it's this, this, this depth in our, in our hearts, this happiness, this gladness. I mean, we, we've all have stories, even, even smells can bring delight and joy to us. A good cup of coffee for some can bring delight and joy. Those are gifts from God, like, the fact that we can enjoy a cup of coffee, or, or, Learn to enjoy a cup of coffee. That's more my experience. <laughs> but I feel like I've, I actually had a great cup of coffee this morning. So it was 
It was delightful. Um, those are gifts from God. So as we continue on this uh, in Advent this Christmas season, like Christmas, the, the, you, you, look, you go to the stores, you, you look at the, the media. I mean, Christmas is meant to be a joyful time, right? All the lights, all the gifts, all the wonderful family gatherings that we get to experience, right? Baby Jesus. And yet, this isn't the experience for many. Not all of our family gatherings are just roses. Christmas may, in fact, be the hardest time for people. And family gatherings, for instance, may cause great anguish in our hearts. Sorrow and anguish may actually be the default right now in your life, not rejoicing. And I think this is true for many people. And the scriptures don't try and sugarcoat things. Lamentations 5, the joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has turned into mourning. The scriptures are clear the human experience here on earth is not all flowers and roses. That there will be hard things that we go through. And not even just circumstances, but our own, our own battle with sin and the enemy. And if, if, if we have sin in our life, it's going to be very, very difficult to have joy in the Holy Spirit, I believe. But there's, there's a difference between worldly joy and biblical joy. This is where the world gets it really wrong. I looked up the definition of joy on Merriam-Webster, and the, the first definition was this. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Happiness and joy comes from getting what we want. That's what the world definition of joy is. And this is true of human experience. Like, when we won provincials in the championship, we got what we wanted. <laughs> we were happy and joy. Like, I have pictures. We're just, like, jumping up and down. And it's crazy. It's crazy. But I've also been on the other side where we've lost, and I feel anguish. <laughs> and that's just sports. Like, think about all the other life situations that we have that go far deeper than a game. If our happiness and our joy is anchored in getting what we want or comfort, this will lead to a fragile life. Our emotions will go to and fro. If we are relying on government or laws for our joy, we will be emotionally fragile and not walking in the fullness that God has for us. If we're relying on the culture's uh, value, the culture's idea of what morality in, is and what good is, if, if we want our joy to line up that that, that matches what we believe, like we'll only be happy if, if the culture says what is good, what we think is good. We will not be full of joy. If we're relying on wealth or income, we'll be fragile. If we're, if we're relying on our spouse, or if we think that a future spouse will finally make us happy or joyful, we are fooling ourselves. This is, this is worldly joy. This is worldly happiness. Uh, John Piper has a quote about how he describes joy. He says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul Produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and the world. 
biblical Christian joy is different than worldly joy. Worldly happiness is based on your circumstances. Biblical Christian joy is anchored in Jesus himself. Biblical joy is anchored in the person of Jesus and the past, present, and future work of Jesus. This is where the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, teaches us powerful lessons in regards to joy. The birth of Jesus is full of joy. Luke 1, verse 44. This is when Mary comes to see Elizabeth, her cousin. And Elizabeth has John the Baptist in her womb, and Jesus is in Mary. And this is what it says, For behold, this is Elizabeth talking, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Like the, the presence of Jesus in the womb of Mary made John the Baptist in the womb leap for joy. Like that's, to me, that was, like that's powerful. That's powerful. Luke 2, verse 10 and 11 says this, And the angel said to them, to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. We've already mentioned that this morning. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The angels are declaring to the shepherds, Fear not, I have the best news. Great joy for all people. This is better than a championship. This is better than that promotion of work. This is better than getting married. This is better than the birth of your child. I have great news. I have good news of great joy for all people. The Savior is born this day. The Messiah, the forever King who will reign forever, He is born this day. The Savior of our sins. This is the type of news that has the ability to produce joy and gladness in our hearts, even when situations are hard. This is the type of news that gets our perspective out of the walls of the world, and it anchors us into an eternal story. Not just the here and now, not just the different situations we might be facing. It gets us beyond that. Our joy and our joy as believers isn't based on circumstances. It is meant to be based and anchored on Jesus and his spirit within us. Paul and Silas in, in the book of Acts in chapter 16, they are uh, in the middle of sharing the gospel in Philippi. And through a series of events, they end up getting attacked. They end up beaten. Uh, they end up in prison with their feet fastened into the stocks. Like, this is, like, pretty terrible situation. And in verse 25, I think I have it up here. Yes. Verse 25, it says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Because think with that. They, they just got beaten. They're in prison. Their feet, they can't move, like their feet are, are fastened to stocks. And here they are praying and singing hymns to God. I don't feel like singing 
when I'm feeling terrible. Right? Like, if I'm in a good mood, I will sing, I will dance. I'm not going to dance today. I actually consider, should I dance? But I don't think anyone wants to see that, so. Anyway, so. I'm going to kick my water. Actually, I should move my I will kick this over. Knowing me, knowing me, I will kick that over. Anyways, especially if I start dancing, I'm for sure kicking the cup of water over then. So. But let's think, like, they're, they're, they're singing hymns to God in prison, like the same night that they just got put there. It's possible to have a full heart of joy even in a first century prison. I think about uh, 10 years ago when I was on a missions trip and, in Indonesia and we, we, had been traveling, uh, we had been traveling all day and night and we got to, our, we got to Bali in Indonesia and it was late and it was hot and we get to our contacts place and we're just like tired, sweating buckets and then there's a language barrier like we can't really, we kind of understand what they're saying, but our translator isn't very good at knowing English either, so it's like, okay, what's all happening? And there's three of us, uh, there's three of us guys that got put in a room together, and we were told, like, yeah, I think there's another guy coming into the room for tonight, so we, okay, okay, so we set out a mattress for that guy, and the three of us kind of crawled into this big bed, and shoulder to shoulder, we're sweating, and we're lying there, and I just remember this is like, this is just... This is terrible. Like, it was just no good mood. I, why am I here? I do not want to be here. And, uh, and one, of those three, one of the three of us was, was a, one of the leaders of our trip. And he also says, you know, I think we should start doing some Thanksgiving. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, but we started doing Thanksgiving together. We would go back and forth and just tell God what we were thankful for. And everything changed on the inside. Uh, it was still hot. We still didn't know if some person randomly was going to come sleep in our room. We were still sweating buckets. But all of a sudden, our, the inner state changed. The inner state changed. By us getting our eyes on Jesus, he filled us and changed our, and changed our hearts. I think of a more, a more maybe near and dear for us here. Um, I, if I can just brag for Pastor Josh for a moment here. Uh, I, I've seen in the past four years, they've gone through uh, house fires. Uh, well, house fire. Just one house fire. <laughs> and uh, house fire, and they've had to navigate so much um, conflict, and it's been a lot of hard times. And yet, I, I have seen a man who has the joy of the Lord throughout it all. And I, 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 sometimes I'm like, I, we, we, we laugh a lot in the office, which is great. And I'm like, sometimes I wonder, how, how is he laughing? Like, he's got so much junk going on. And yet, he's a man who gets his eyes on Jesus and walks in the joy of the Lord and has a tender heart of love for Jesus I'm sure if you've talked to him enough times, he'll eventually say he loves Jesus. 
And it's true. Like, it's not fake. He's not faking it. He has a tender heart before the Lord. It's been too many times where I've knocked on the door in his office and he's crying and it's just like, that's awesome. Like it, so it, like it is possible to have joy and a soft heart before the Lord when you're going through hard things. And here's the reality. Good news of great joy, our sins have been forgiven. Good news of great joy. We deserve eternal separation from, from God, and yet our sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, which is why he came in the first place. Good news of great joy. The Holy Spirit now dwells in us. Like, it's not like he's, I mean, he is here, but he's also within us. We can experience his presence. We can hear his voice. We can have a relationship through the Holy Spirit with God. Psalm 16 says that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Like, John the Baptist experienced that when he was in the womb. Now we have, like, the Spirit in us, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. God's presence is absolutely transformative. It does not mean that our situation will get any better. But our own soul, our own inner being can have a deep joy because of his presence, because of his forgiveness. Good news of great joy. Jesus is coming back. There is an eternity ahead with Jesus as the reigning king over this universe. No more pain, no more grief, no more sorrow, no more anguish. Jesus is coming back. Good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. When we get our eyes on the eternal, on the eternal story that we're living in, it changes our perspective. It can give us hope, joy, endurance. Jesus in Luke 6 says this, Blessed are you when people hate you. What? Oh, no, that's right. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man, who is Jesus. Jesus says, you're blessed when people hate you. Like, what? I don't feel blessed when people hate me or have problems with me. I do not feel blessed. Jesus says, blessed. You're blessed. Why are we blessed? Rejoice in that day and leap for joy when you're hated. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. When for the sake of Jesus you are hated or excluded or reviled, your reward is great in heaven. Jesus says, leap for joy in that day. In the day that you are hated, leap for joy. And I'm like, how is that even possible? The Holy Spirit's in us. He can produce that in us. Wow, that is amazing. And this is such an important 
step, an important maturing that we as believers need to grow in, focusing our lives and our minds from the temporary to what's right in front of us to the eternal. Hebrews 10 verse 34. How many of us would react in this way? Hebrews 10 verse 34. Oh, I don't have it written. Okay, here we go. Hebrews 10 verse 34. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you, you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Because of the eternal home that these people had, they were willing to say, oh, I actually joyfully accept that you're going to take all my stuff right now. Because my reward just got better. And that, that is like, I don't want to be out here, oh, it's easy. Like this, this seems like extremely difficult. And there's no way we could do this on our own strength. Like there's no way someone takes all my stuff. Nick in his flesh is like, joy. This is just the best. This is the best. But like, that's, the, that's what the scriptures say. And the scriptures are true. And they're real. And they're right. This is the good news. Jesus has come. Everything has changed. Everything has changed. And Jesus is coming again. This is the story that we find ourselves in. And when we, our main focus and attention in life is on Jesus... Things change in our inner being. So to close out this time, how do we have lives where we cultivate joy in our life? Because I'm sure for many of us, joy can be hard to come by sometimes. So how do we seek to cultivate a life of joy? Well, I think for starters, we need to be honest with where we're at. God cannot transform who you are pretending to be. But he can transform who you really are. So it starts with being honest with God. Where are you at? Are you feeling depressed these days? Tell God that. Are you feeling anxious? Tell God that. Are you so done with whatever situation you're in? Tell God that. Be honest. He already knows. Some of the most powerful moments in my life have been when I've told God how I feel. The Psalms give us so much permission to do that. And then tell somebody else how you feel. Tell somebody else. Don't just tell God. Tell somebody else. Tell someone else how you're doing. You need to have people in your life that you can just tear the mask off and be completely real with. Because some way, the way that God designed it, that's how we find healing. That's how we find joy. I, when I have conversations with close people in my life, and I share how I'm doing, I feel totally different afterwards. That's just not a feelings thing. That, that, that's God working. That's God working. So be honest. Be honest. Number two, remembrance. Paul, in his letters, is constantly reminding people and saying the same things over and over again to rejoice. He's just reminding people constantly of what God has done. So having a life where you remember regularly what God has done in your life. Remembering the cross, remembering the resurrection, remembering the victories that he's brought in your life, remembering the answered prayers, remembering that moment that God just broke in and there was no denying it. Remember those moments in your life. Write them down, remember them. It's so important to do that. 
So important to do that. It brings us to a place of gratefulness and thankfulness. And Psalm 100 says that in, it's escaping me, when you praise and thank God, his presence is there. Okay, that's what it says. <laughs> I'll read it for us. And so it's, very, it's a very common, uh, it's very common. Anyways, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Psalm 100, should have a sword drill or something. Number four, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So you enter his presence with thanksgiving and praise. And his presence, as we've already seen, gives us joy. Number three, it, it means choosing to fill our minds and hearts with the story of God. If we have a life where we constantly fill our minds with the world narrative, then your joy is going to come from when you get what you want. And it's going to be fragile. But if we fill our minds with the story of God, with his word, and his eternal story, that will greatly affect our hearts and our emotions. It, it, what we allow into our minds inevitably goes into our hearts and that gets into our emotions. This will affect us. So if we have lives where we are constantly fixing them on the things of the world, we're going to have worldly perspective, worldly emotions. If we fix our minds on Jesus, on his word, on his truth, doesn't mean situations can get better, but supernatural joy in our souls. Colossians 3 says this, if you, if you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love it. It says, seek the things that are above where, where, where Christ is seated, but it also says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, like he's already pointing them to eternity, like he's appointing them, fix your, fix your minds on Jesus, fix your mind on the fact that he's coming back to make everything better and good. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. And finally, another, there's, there's, there's several different things, but another one we can do is worship. Worship. I'm going to invite the team up. They've got quite a bit of organizing to do yet, so I'll invite the team up as I close out here. Worship. In heaven right now, worship is constantly happening around the throne. When we worship, we are joining with heaven. It's almost like, it's, it's almost like we're creating like a heaven on earth portal. Like we're, when we worship, we're like joining the throne room. We're joining the throne room. How many of you, by a show of hands, have experienced something in worship before. Okay? Most hands go up. There's a reason for it. We're joining with heaven. We're joining with heaven. Getting our praise and hearts on Jesus is powerful for our souls. I've experienced this many times when I'm not feeling joy. Maybe this is what Paul did. I don't know. Maybe Paul and Silas did this in, in Acts. But when I'm not feeling joy, I'm feeling down. Sometimes I'll just, I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Put worship music on, and then my emotions change. There's something about worship that gets really deep into our hearts. 
And I acknowledge that Christmas is a hard time for many people. But I want to encourage you that Jesus wants you to have a life of joy in him. In John 15, he talks about that our joy may be full. That Jesus' joy would be our joy. He invites us to have the same joy that he has. So let's press into that this season. Let's press into that. Let's lean into Jesus. Let's get our mind and our hearts on him. So church, this is good news. I bring good news of great joy. The Savior of the world has come. God has come. I bring good news of great joy. The Savior of the world has come and has died on the cross for our sins. Amen. Amen. The Savior of the world didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave in victory. I bring good news of great joy. The Savior of the world's presence goes with us wherever we are. Wherever we are, not just here. In your workplaces, at your house, at your gatherings. Savior of the world's presence is there with you, in you. I bring good news of great joy. The Savior of the world is coming back to reign forever and ever in a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the best news that's ever happened, that ever will happen. There is nothing, nothing better than this. Jesus, we praise you. We worship you. We thank you for the story that you have brought us into. We thank you that you came, that you left your throne in heaven, that you humbled yourself to come as a baby. For us, Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you for coming. Thank you that you rose from the grave. And you say that that resurrection power now lives in us. And we thank you, Jesus, for your victory. Thank you for your presence, your spirit. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are coming again. You are coming again. This is joy. This is joy to the world. This is joy to the world. We praise you. We praise you. May we be people who share this joy with the world. Thank you, Jesus.